All right. We're going to continue uh, uh, a word this morning on, that we initiated on Wednesday night on uh, women. And uh, you don't have uh, PowerPoint, but what you do have is a handout. And if anybody does not have the handout, raise your hand, please. Ben is in the back. Yeah. Uh, just, <clears throat> just so you know, sometimes when, uh, when we get some of these messages that could be controversial or whatever, I want you all to th remember that Rick is not coming up with this stuff by himself. We work through it as elders and wives and spouses. We, he works through it in ministry training. Rick is a man that wants to be faithful to the Word, just like all the rest of us. And so I, I just want you to know he's not standing up here by himself. Matter of fact, can the elders and spouses just raise your hands right now? You see these hands? We've been working through, for, or through this for over a year. And so I just wanted to share that with you because we love Rick. He just, he's just such a good teacher. He gets to present it. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, Mark. Huh? <laughs> they clap for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was just joke on Wednesday night when we started talking about this. Paul is the one that gets all the applause, and I never get a clap. <laughs> that's, that's what that's all about. So anyway, um, anyway, uh, so you have your notes, and we're going to follow on that. But also, I'll probably be adding stuff as things come, because um, uh, there's just this one of those words that it's, we've had it for a long time. And it coming to pass uh, took a lot to bring together. And uh, so I just want to start off just with talking about this. Because an interesting thing, on Wednesday night we introduced this thing about women. I walked in the, we were in the back praying, preparing for the meeting. I walked in the room and Danielle walked up to me and said, Rick, do you know what today is? And I said, no, no, what is it? He says, this is National Women's Equality Day. And I said, really? And she said, 95 years to the day is when women received the right to vote. And I go, Jesus, this, might, this is prophetic. This is prophetic. And so the, some of the things that we'll share today that we shared Wednesday night are controversial. Uh, some of them are, uh, you know, hard to grasp, even in relationship to myself. Uh, because... The things that we're sharing, y'all, is going against the grain of a lot of the things that I was taught. And, uh, and uh, wow. So as you can see, the title of the message is Making Things Right. The Proper Placement and Honoring of Women. I remember when we were doing campus ministry in the, the, the 90s, um, Leah, who, Leah Simonis, who used to be Leah King, uh, was really been with, Paul and I in ministry longer than anybody, longer than Mitch, longer than anybody as far as in ministry. She helped us. She came alongside and helped, helped me do ministry on the campus of, of Tech in Radford and while Mitch was finishing school. And so, and then they got married the, at the, uh, in the summer of the next year, and, and then they did the internship program. And so as things transpired, they did the internship program, and then in that time is when Paul and I left to go to Big Stone Gap. Well, when we left to go to Big Stone Gap, um, 
being a good Baptist church, Mitch received a call to be the youth director at, at East Stone. Well, the reality was Leah was called just as much as Mitch. But because of the structure of the way we did things, uh, Mitch steps into this place as a, as a youth pastor in the church. But here's Leah over here as the little woman. And uh, in, during that time, you know, as a result, you know, the way the structure was, Mitch and I became more focused in our relationship together. And here's Leah over here. And it was a time that brought confusion for Leah. And she could probably describe it better and probably more adequate than me. But I just know, you know, after this period of time came down as Leah and I and Mitch and Paula prayed and talked about things. It was a time of confusion for her. And I know uh, that, that this one scenario is not the only scenario that has occurred in Christendom. And, uh, and one of the, the realities of it, and you ask the question, why is this kind of stuff occur? Because one is, the first step is, there's a, there's a misunderstanding of what church is all about. Be honest with you. And if you'll notice in your notes there, and I'll just no PowerPoint on this, is that what is the church? What is the church of Jesus Christ? What is the church of God? What is it? If I went around the room, if I, I've stopped somebody on the street, and I would ask them, what is church? Well, they would go, as a place we go on Sunday morning. Maybe in some cultures you go, it's a place you go to burn candles for... And that's true, you know, and you go, to the, you go to, into the Balkan region, there's big, huge churches, where, and you're seeing people all the time going in and burning candles and saying a prayer. But, but the reality is the church, what is it? What is it? I, I heard many times, I heard uh, parents say to their kids, don't run in the church. Well, what's the church? That happened to you, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> Don't run in the church. Well, what is the church? And if you'll notice in your notes, there's some of the things that we see in the Word of God. Church is referred to as Christ's body, the body of Christ. The church is, is the called out one. In fact, that's literally what the Greek word ekklesia means, called out ones. It's just the people who have been called out of the world. It's people. But God starts pressing it down as Christ's body. The church is referred to as Christ's bride. But the thing that's relevant for us in this that I think is so important is that the church is referred to as the household of God, household of faith. What is church? Well, it's a family. And that's where it is the problem. Because just like you know, and for Paul and I, when we stepped into our relationship, got married, 37 years ago, y'all, I have to count how old I am. I have to figure, born 1956, what is the years? <laughs> and so, the count. I know I was married in 1978. I got that down pat. But I can't remember how many years it is. And so, uh, how many? 37. 30, 37 years. That is so cool. So, what was I talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, when we first started our... Our family, 37 years ago, I mean, we were dysfunctional. 
I mean, we were. We didn't know how to be married. I didn't know how to be single, much less married. And then your reality is when you bring, what is this? What, 300 people right here in this sanctuary right now? And I look around this room, I'm going, mm-hmm. And put a whole bunch of us together and say, all right, live as family. Guess what? Can we say, <laughs> Craziness. Craziness occurs. Because why? This is a family. Well, you know, in fact, to be honest with you, that's the reality. Is this what, in the very beginning, God created everything in relationship to a family. Where you see in Genesis chapter 2, where God, which I shared the other night, and I won't share much on it, but in Genesis 2, where it said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make for helper suitable for him. But I shared with you how the Hebrew literally means that it's not good for man to be a piece or a part. I will make for him the corresponding part. What this relationship between a man and a woman is the reality of, of God going, Rick is only a part, he needs some help. And not only just help and like the help fulfill me, but the reality is, this is 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7 says we're co-heirs of the grace of life. Co-heirs. But in the church, they're single, there's married but the reality is in the body of Christ, it's just like the husband and wife or just like a man and a woman being gathered together in marriage. So also it is, is when we come together in a body, they're single and there's married. You know, there's a Jen Cesarios who's single in, this, in our body, but she, we need, I need a Jen as a sister in this body. You know, her part. There's things that I can't even do. Without Jen Cesaro, she teams up with Paul and I to help make possible some of the things of, in relationship to the books I write. That never could be if it wasn't for this kind of relationships within the body. Because the church is a family. It's a household of faith, as it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Household of faith. Well, you know, one thing is this reality for a household of faith it's a place for, for growing. It's a place for connecting. And it's a place for, for giving. You know, that is the reality of what God has given us in dwelling place. And, and as a family, I mean, Paul and I cannot grow. I mean, we cannot grow except that we're connected. We cannot, we cannot grow unless that we give. And vice versa, all three of them. I can't give unless I connected. And receive from the Lord and from Paula. And you know, all three of them. It's just like a triangle going back and forth. And that's why that we believe that every, every person, every relationship, every church must be made and ordered around growing, giving, and connecting. And so, so when you're talking about a, a family, and if you'll notice in your notes there, and it's it's important part of every important part between a, a church and I'm going to use a, a family or a household and an organism. I'm going to throw organism there because a church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's called the body of Christ. And, and it's ordering. It's ordering. Uh, you know, I heard a guy say one time, and I'm going to probably blotch this, but he said the difference between a dead organism and a, and a live organism is the ordering between the components' parts. Because what happens, the organ 
the ordering breaks down. The, the communication, the relationship between the parts, the cells start to break down. And so that's a relation, that's effect of death. But when something, you know, if, if you cut my finger and take it out from the order of my body, it's, it's, it dies. And so ordering is crucial for the life flow to flow. And so when we start talking about women in the church or women in the home, it's, it's ordering. And I want you to look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And, uh, and why do you say that, Rick? Well, the one thing that God has spoken into women to respond in relationship to men or husband, husbands is the, is the word submit. Well, Paula looked up that word one time when she was younger, and we, she was trying to get a grasp on where it says in the word that she's supposed to husbands submit one to another. And it, it said in the Webster's at that time, eat dirt. Do what, babe? Yeah, why submit to your husbands? And so anyway, and so it meant to eat dirt. Well, when you look in the Word of God, it has no correlation to anything like that. The world cannot define things of God. Only God can define His things. And so when you see this thing in relationship to women, it's a, there's a place of submit, which means to order under, to order. Well, that's, I'm going to say this, y'all. That's not just in relationship to women. Because what does Galatians, I mean, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 say? Submit one to another. So it's this place of ordering. Ordering. Putting, putting our, putting, like, uh, one way to think about it is like your, uh, like your spine. Um, all of us in this room probably know what it's like that when all of a sudden you tweak your back. I go to a chiropractor, man. I've done this a number of times where you do pick something up or you sleep wrong or do something crazy and your back's hurting you. You go to the chiropractor and he goes, here, let me fix that. Poof. I remember one day BJ was around and I said, hey, BJ, man, man, I'm hurting, man. So I said, BJ, grab me. <laughs> so I did. Great. BJ grabbed me back and he just picked me up and I go, oh, yeah. Why? My spine all of a sudden got put in order, which made me feel good. Well, what I've seen, what I believe, what really as things go on, is that uh, the, the dysfunctional I see in the church for centuries now is women have been out of place. And let me put it another way, in the church... And in certain ways, women are out of place in the family also. They're, they're disjunctive. Like when I go to the Middle East, George could bear witness with this. When I go to the Middle East, you see the place of women is, it's not uncommon where you see a, a man walking along and a woman walking behind him. You know, or, or you see that in America. You know, or... What submit means that the husband comes in and pops his feet up and the wife waits on him. Because we don't understand the ordering. When the reality is in the kingdom of God, according to Matthew chapter 20, to have authority means you serve. Not the one who is under authority to be served, to serve, but the one who has the authority serves the one who's under the authority. 
That's the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 20, verse... My mind's gone blank. 25 through 28. So we've talked about that before, you know, in that. And that's what I don't want to go into details about that right now. But here's the reality. Is I want to share this real quick. You know, when, in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he created it as intense relationship. That's why he says, it's not good for man to be a peace. I will make for him the corresponding part. But then all of a sudden, sin and death entered. And in Genesis chapter 3, God... God makes this declaration as a result of the curse of sin and death. And really says this. He says to the wife, your desire will be for your husband, but yet he will rule, rule over you. Rule over you. And in fact, you see that is that in, as I spend many times in counseling sessions, you'll see this place in husbands and wives where the, hus the wife's heart is for her husband and the husband's clueless on how to love his wife. For years, Paula says, I just want, I want you. Okay, we'll spend time together. Click. Oh, I'm spending time with you. I'm uh, doing the time clock thing. And she's going, I want you. I want your heart. Well, I'm here. We're watching I Love Lucy. <laughs> or I'm, you know, got my computer up and then... And it's on ESPN. I go, yeah, but Rick, I want you. And I wish I could sit here and tell you I got this all down. I'm growing in this too, so I don't want to make any big boast. But what I'm trying to say is, is that when sin and death entered, all of a sudden women were lorded over instead of peace. And the reality, when I came to, when I started looking intensely at the redemption of Jesus Christ, the church, his bride, one of the things that you see is Jesus busting on the scene, breaking down doorways of tradition in relationship to women. For example, you remember in John chapter 4, when Jesus shows up in Samaria by a well, and all of a sudden there's a Samaritan woman, and he asks, can I have water? And he starts discussing theology with a woman. A woman who's been married five times. That, would, that was unheard of for a Jew. And she says this, Why is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And Jesus says, let me have a drink. A whole region, town, was ministered to because of a woman. Interesting thing in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. I want to let me just look at that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Is that when you get to thinking about the ministry of Jesus, you ever you, you think about Jesus and, uh, and with all his disciples. But look at this. It came about soon afterwards that he began going about from city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And look at this next phrase in verse 2. And, and women, some's not in there, and women who had been healed. You know, that's talking about Mary. Then it goes on, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Steward, Susanna in verse 3, who were contributing to their support, and many others. In other words, here you got Jesus hanging around ministering. There's 12 disciples, but guess what? There's a whole bunch of what? Women. How about... 
How about the relationship between Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but, but Mary and Martha? How about the relationship between Mary Magdalene, where Jesus, when he raises from the dead, Mary was the first person he, he goes to, a woman who had seven demons cast at him. She's the first that he reveals himself to. Not only that, look at this in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I put 15 in there, but it's 14. Pages. In one, chapter 1, verse 14. It says, these were all in one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer along with, along with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers at this time, and stood in the midst of the, of the brethren, gathering about 120 persons in the upper room where one of the most strategic events of the church began with not just men, but what? Men and what? Women. In the very beginning, the very birth of really Pentecost, the birth of the church, women were an integral part of what's going on. Now, it's really interesting and in why that some of the things that we're going to get into today is why would, why would situations like Leah occur? Why is it that, that women are relegated to this is a, I feel like many times it's like that saying, this is a man's world and women are just living in it. Why is it that we, the church, why, what do you mean to this? Why is it that the United States of America is founded on, we're create, all men are created, that's interesting, what? Equal. But yet, praise God, the freedom that occurred in relationship, racial equality, in the 1800s, but why was it not till 1920 that women received a vote? Why is it? Let me tell you why. One of the reasons why I believe statements like this. It's, I just hadn't pulled off the internet. Let me read it up here. This is a. This was just written August 28th, on 2015. One of the greatest mistakes America ever made was allowing women the right to vote. It's a pastor. All this is is quotes of Scripture. Why does this kind of thing occur? Why is it? Why is it that I would do that to Leah? I wouldn't do that to Leah on, on purpose. Why is it that when we started dwelling place in a way that, be honest with you, we, I'm going to just say it this way, I'm just going to be hardcore. We push the women or push the women our wives, to the back as this thing starts to grow. Why did we do that? And I, I want to say it's because of ignorance <laughs> on our part. But also, more practically, it's because of misunderstanding of a couple of passages of Scripture, which I believe have been a scourge to the body of Christ, discrediting. You go, well, I'm going to just say it. Not a disclaimer, but I want to say something before we get into some things because some of the things you're going to look at here, you could think, well, how is it that, that Rick, hundreds of years past the Scripture has been quoted this way and you're going to look at it today? Well, I just I want to remind you a couple of things I was praying about this. 
decades, centuries, the church was a proponent that the earth was flat. Up to the 1400s. The church. I mean, you could get killed for saying other stuff. Isaac Newton dealt with some stuff in the 1600s in relationship to some of his theology and also science regarding, regarding things. And the church, it, I, one, one statement it made about Isaac Newton that like many of his contemporaries, he lived with the threat of severe punishment about his beliefs. Century, 1600, y'all. And I want to say this, the church of Jesus Christ is ignorant to the, tw to what is this, 21st century? The 22nd, 33rd, I don't know what. <laughs> You're going to teach us and you don't even know what century it is. I don't know. It always confused me because it's not the 19th. <laughs> you know, 21st century, right? Yeah, thank you. I know it's 2015, that's right. <laughs> I was married in 1978. <laughs> so, uh, so in essence, to see things made right, the body made right, we search to say, okay, God, what are the passages of Scripture that cause us? Because one thing is I deeply believe that in the reality of the clarity of this book, the inerrancy of this book in the original form, I, I have based my life on this book and on the power of the Holy Spirit. But when I see things in it that, that are, when I read something, it does not line up with what I, what, I, what I may feel or see, or even within it, so, quote, contra seemingly contradictions, I know that this book does not contradict itself. But our reality is, is there's something in my understanding that is not clear. Is our women less than men capable to handle and, and function in the affairs of a church? Is it? You hang around me, you hang around Polly, you'll find out the truth of that. But so there's two passages of Scripture that I feel like that we need to clarify. And then we're going to take a, uh, uh, I'm going to present a, a plan of action out of it. The first one is if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. And notice in the heading in your bulletin, one of the hindrances, I think, that have been, been a hindrance in this area is in relationship to, to really two passages of Scripture. A misunderstanding of really what is said. Now, can I say something here, y'all? And you've got to hear this right. Please hear this right. I believe all my heart in the inerrancy of the Word of God in the original format. Problem is we got translations. What, Bible written? New, the Gospels were written in Aramaic. The, the, the rest of the New Testament was written in... in uh, Greek, Old Testament is written in Hebrew. I don't know if you've ever tried to translate something out of one language into another, but it's crazy difficult. And that's what I spent two years in seminary doing, learning how to translate, take Greek and translate it into English. That's one of the purposes and one of the things it did is in ministry training, just to train you how to take the Word of God in the original format. I remember 
uh, one of the students in seminary, he went to go, he got a job at a church outside of Fort Worth. And so he went for his first sermon and he preached, preached the sermon. And after the service, the deacons came up to him and said, excuse me, we noticed that you preached out of the, uh, uh, you didn't use the King James. And they go, uh, no, I didn't. Uh, and they fired him right on the spot. And so they called my professor at the seminary and says, would you mind coming and supply the pulpit this Sunday? And uh, so he said, yeah. And he told him what was up. So he goes and he goes to the, he preaches that Sunday that my professor did. And they came into him after the service and says, we noticed that you didn't preach out of the King James. And he said, no, I didn't. I preached out of the Greek New Testament. I think he shut him up. Because, because of not understanding the validity of the Word of God. But here's the reality. As I want to say this, y'all. I know this without fact, and I could show you passage of Scripture, how passages of Scripture have words have been interpreted in light of theological structures. There's one in John, Acts chapter 17, verse 31. The Greek word for pistis is translated proof because it declares that God has given Pistis, which is the word for faith, only place in the New Testament that's ever translated proof. But if you translate it and say that God has furnished faith to all men, you know what happens? You destroy the whole presuppositions of Calvinism. One verse. But you know what? So they don't translate it faith. They translate it proof to water it down so they don't ruffle feathers. I could show you many of those. That's why I go so diligently to find, all right, God, what's, what's the word God's saying? So anyway, let's go to in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. And this is one of these passages of Scripture, to be honest with you, that has been totally misunderstood. Notice this in, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Therefore, I want men, I'm going to start at verse 8, I want men in every place pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Men, plural but rather by means of good works as befits women, plural, making a claim of godliness. Then all of a sudden in verse 11 it switches. Let a woman quietly receive instruction with submissiveness. Okay, quiet. We can say what that means. We'll talk about it and say, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Okay, what does that mean? I would that a woman not teach a man. Well, what does this mean? Because I just want to say to you, there's a problem here. Because if you'll notice in Acts chapter verse 18, verse 24, when Apollos is teaching, and all of a sudden he's teaching, and all of a sudden it says this, Priscilla and Aquila, not Aquila and Priscilla. That is very unusual for ancient manuscripts where the woman to be mentioned first in ancient manuscripts. Very unusual. But it says Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and taught him more accurately the way. Priscilla was involved with Aquila, her husband, ministering in to Apollos. She's teaching him along with Aquila. So you see an example of a, man, a woman being spoken into by a woman. Or else he would have said Aquila. So what does this mean? I would that a woman not teach a man. The interesting thing is that this Greek word here for teach is the Greek word that, 
it's a present tense verb meaning continuous action. See, the Greek verbs are critical. Like, for example, you could go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, where it says, if anyone sins, has, has not seen him or knows him. I go around the room, is anybody, y'all, y'all say you know Jesus? This thing's been bugging us through out of me. I'm going to get rid of it. If you don't mind, I'm going to use Dan, if I'm going to use this handheld, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, if, where it says, if anyone sins, sins, he has not seen him or knows him. Well, you go, well, I've sinned. Does that mean I haven't seen him or know him? But you look at it, you see the verb is a present tense participle, present tense, meaning continuous action. It means if somebody continuously, unbroken line, never stops sinning, they don't know who God is. Doesn't mean point action. Like the righteous man falls, what, seven times and what? Gets up. That would be an aorist tense verb to describe that. But it says present tense. So in other words, what does that mean? What does that mean? That I would that a woman not teach a man. Well, you know what it means, simply? It's like I pick on Karen. Okay? It would not be good for Karen to continuously be Rick's teacher. Karen be the one who disciples Rick. Can a a woman teach a man to be a man? Huh? I want to say it the other way. Can a man teach a woman to be a woman? (laughs) Richard goes, no way. But yet, okay, you want me to tell you the truth? But yet, at the beginning of dwelling place, here I am every Tuesday, what is that, I don't remember what, Wednesday morning, teaching what? Ladies Bible study. Jesus, forgive me. (laughs) I mean, what? Totally. There's just goofiness in it. Really, seriously. Because... Because I can't teach a woman to be a woman. And a woman can't teach a man to be a man. And Paul says, I would that a woman not teach a man. That's simple. Duh, that's right. It does not mean point action. Like next week. Uh, Not next week, the next week. Chris and Craig Westoff are coming in. Chris will teach. I guarantee you this, you'll hear the word of the Lord. Go listen to Heidi Baker. Dude. A woman can speak the word. I know without a shadow of a doubt she loves Jesus. If she was disobedient, you don't, let me tell you something. You violate this word, it brings death. I know that. If a woman like Heidi Baker teaches, I'm sorry. What she teaches don't bring death. It's not talking about point action. It's talking about continuously. So we have relegated, misunderstood the passage of Scripture and go, okay, woman, don't teach, never teach a man. Well, y'all, I want to say this. I just want to say this before we go to the next one. This passage of Scripture in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 is not talking about church. It says, I would that men, early in the passage, I would that men all everywhere 
So let me just say this, y'all. If this is talking about would that a woman teach a man, let me say this. If you Bible-believing men in this, young men in this church, if you go, if this is the case, you better not have a woman for your professor at Virginia Tech. Just don't be hypocritical, y'all. How about this one here and the second one? I would that a woman not exercise authority over a man. Okay. You better not. Paula, Paula, Ben Bradford, wherever he is. Ben, Jared Hill. Ben is in the back. Jared Hill was here until I had to take the baby out. Good job, Jared. No, I don't mean because of the baby, but I mean Lee didn't have to take him out. But Paula was their boss. If that's the passage of Scripture, then they should have, they should have retired, quit. He says, I can't, that's not true. Paula cannot be my boss. Y'all, either the Word of God is true in every hour of our lives, or we can't pick and choose. Okay? But what does this mean? Because I don't want to say, well, this is just cultural. What does this mean? If you're noticing, because noticing in your notes here, we got a problem. Here's one of the most interesting things to me. And Phoebe, with Phoebe in, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. This one, y'all, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I have to repent. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is Centuria, that you receive her in the name of, in a, in a manner worthy of the saints that you help her in whatever she may have need of. Help her. You bless her. Stand alongside her. Why? It goes on to say, for she herself has been, been a, it says in English, New American Standard, a helper of many and, me, and myself as well. You know what that Greek word there for helper is? I mean, a helper, it seems like Phoebe's a nice little helper. You know, it's a Greek word that's only used one time. It's a noun that's only used one time in the New Testament. But it's, but it's used, uh, but it, the verbal form is used a bunch of times in the New Testament. And listen to one of the verbal times it's used. Let me just, when it, the, this Greek word. Listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 12. But we request you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently work among you and who have charge over you in the Lord and you give instruction. Those who, over, who have charge over you. You know what that Greek word there is? The Greek word prohistomy, which is the, the verbal form of the word back there it describes Phoebe as a helper. Because we'll strongly speak it when it refers to men, but when it comes to a woman, she's a helper. That's culture, y'all, translating a past scripture about Phoebe. But what does this mean back in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, where it says that I would that a woman not exercise authority. If you notice in your notes there, it says the Greek word, normal Greek word for authority is exosia. It's not in the original manuscripts. It's not there. Exercise authority over. No derivative of the word authority. There's compound words about authority that are there. It's not there. But let's say they use the, let's say just take the English translation exercise authority. Okay, what does that mean? Well, the Greek word there, as you notice the Greek word there, you see is, is authentateo. What does that word mean? I took it out of a different lexicon that I used in the notes if you have in the back. You know, get it. The word to control in a domineering manner. To shout orders at. 
as an example. The other, the other definition, the other uh, lexicon that I used, it means it had to, uh, one of the derivatives of it meant man killer. I mean, literally. Exercise authority over y'all. Can we say exercise authority? I would that a woman not dominate a man. Hallelujah. That means, that means to dominate. Can we say Jezebel? That's, the, that's what he's talking about. I mean, I'm not stretching it, y'all, at all. Just take, get the notes in the back. I'm not telling you what the word is. I just looked the Greek word up in the dictionary. Really, just take the Greek word. And it's not, and it's not you know, how Greek definitions can have multiple different ones, meanings. No, it's not multiple different meanings on this word. It just says what it is. It's a very strong word. So it's not referring to this place that a woman would have authority. Like when Paula was Ben's boss, guess what? That's not a violation of Scripture. It's not a violation of Scripture. But yet, we have built a whole circle of theology around a past scripture, a Greek word that, y'all, that is a pretty hardcore word. I mean, it's a pretty strong word. So, 1 Timothy 2.12. I would that a woman... No, 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 let me just go on here. Where is it at? 2.12. But to remain quiet. Ah, quiet. What does that mean? You look over here in the first part of the chapter, it uses the word quiet in relationship to men. Us living life, a quiet life, you know what the Greek word means? And also in the context of there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, peaceful. Y'all know what it's like. Where you've been around women who are like, I, like, I am a woman, hear me roar? You know? Where... They're just going to let their voice be heard. And there ain't no man going to tell them what to do. There ain't nobody going to tell them what to do. That's showing you a problem. That's an issue. That's an issue. And so what we're talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, y'all, about teaching and exercising authority, y'all, with a sincere heart, not stretching things at all, y'all, I think I violated like people like Leah out of misunderstanding of a passage of Scripture. And I think I'm not alone. What about another passage of Scripture that's held captive women? It's a little bit more difficult to understand. That one's just pretty simple to me in 1 Timothy. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In verse 34, where it says, Let women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. Whoa. So, who's, did we have a woman say something today? Huh? Who was it? Pardon me? Let, oh, Linda. Let them subject themselves, just as the law also says... If they desire to learn anything, ask their husbands at home, for it's improper for a woman to speak in church. Whoa. What in the world is that talking about, y'all? How do we deal with this one? There's an interesting thing here we've got to deal with here because 
No, y'all, I'm going to repeat something. The Word of God never, ever contradicts itself. Never. Never. But yet, go with me to Acts chapter 1. Remember I talking about how Jesus has come to break things down? The dividing wall, it says in Acts 2. Uh, I mean, not in Acts 2. Uh, Ephesians 2. In Acts 1.17. Get this. And I will pour, and it shall be in the last days, I will pour, pour out my, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Very important. This is an interesting question to me. Okay. Okay, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all, on my sons, on your sons and your daughters, but they just can't speak it in church. Does that sound like our God? Let's go on. Acts 2, I'm sorry. Acts 2. 2.18. Sorry about that. Where did I say go? 1.18. I'm sorry. Acts 2.18. Thank you. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women. Get this. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit. And notice what it says. And they shall prophesy. It's interesting to me that it emphasizes both. So in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 5, 1, 1 Corinthians 11, same context as 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about, Paul makes a statement, he says, women praying and prophesying, just making sure that they're covered. Now what does that mean? But it, he tells you, women can pray and prophesy. Well, that must be at home. Or else there's something else about 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that we don't understand. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. What does this mean? Let women keep silent in the churches for they're not permitted to speak. Let them subject themselves just as the law also says. Here's another problem, y'all. Okay, now get this. Word does not contradict itself, okay? Never contradicts itself. So in the Old Testament, I mean, I'm going to say, in the beginning of the New Testament, we're seeing men and women prophesying, all right? Men and women prophesying. But it says here, they're to keep silent just as the law says. You know what? The law never says it. Law never says it. It's nowhere in the Old Testament of what has just been said. What has been said or will say. Well, what does this mean then? What do we do with it? We just don't go, well, they, they were taken to the Corinthians because such and such was going on in their culture. I don't do that with the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God. question is, what's being said? So let's just go to the last part of verse 35. For it is improper for a woman to speak in the church. Improper for a woman to speak in the church. Interesting thing, very first word, in verse 36. It's an enclitic. Enclitic is a weird, in the Greek, it's a weird, weird particle. You see it written in there in your, in your notes. I just copied it and pasted it. Which is a, dis, which is a dis, disjunctive. 
And this word is pretty, is pretty interesting. Paul, one of the methods of argument that he would do is he would say statements and then he would discredit it. Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? I could quote you a bunch of them. In fact, then you'll see in the back of the notes, I gave you multiple references about this where he uses this in clinic and uses it as a form of argument. So he makes this statement in 34 and 36, and then he says this in clinic. This is how you could translate it. He says, he says, um, da, 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 da. he says, he says, for it is woman, for it's improper for a woman to speak in church. Not Notice the rebuke. Notice the rebuke. Was it from you that the word of God went forth? Or has it come to you only? Guess what the tenses are in verse 36? Masculine. 34 and 35 are all feminine. He uses feminine tense in 34 and 35. When it gets to 6, 36, he says, Not. Was it from you that the word of God came forth? Has it only come to you? Masculine. But yet, how do we order our churches? It's only to us men. That's what we've done. That's what I've done. Let me tell you something. Paula can hear the word of the Lord just as much as I can. I'll just say this. Um... One of the five-year-olds can hear the word of the Lord just as much as I can. All will know me from the least to the greatest. Because I'm a man does not mean, you know, that I'm special. Now, so I believe with all my heart, y'all, how we've, how God gave, uh, I believe, the leadership, understanding and relationship to these passages of Scripture. My prayer is that I, I say today, I just want to say as sort of that Jesus said to this, said one time to a woman, woman, thou art loosed. That's what I want to say. And if you'll notice in my notes now, but loosed is not to be mean, not to be just like go for it. No. Because I want to quote 1 Corinthians 11.10 for it says a woman ought to have authority over her head because of the angels. Yeah, the, one of the things that the Word of God teaches, and Paul and I bear witness in our lives, that there's things in the spiritual realm that, that I, as, as her husband, as, her, as the head, her head, not the head of our house. Now, you remember about during Mother's Day, I preached a sermon on these two very, very important Greek words in relationship to women in the home. Oikuros, meaning watcher of the house, and oik, pateo, ruler in the house. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14, and Titus chapter 2, verse 5. And that it's this love relationship between the two, and the protection comes not in my exercising authority over, the protection comes when she submits under. Very important principle. Because y'all, that's what I, as authority, and you heard me say this before, but I want to repeat it within this context. Because the purpose of authority, I do have authority as an elder in this church. I do have authority as Paula's husband. 
as the head. I have authority. I love Paula. I love you. And functions of authority are to protect, accountability. It's in the notes if you want the verses. To build up, to serve, to regulate the flow of power, and to be an example. That's the purpose of authority. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, the authority we have is not for lording over. Exercising authority over. In other words, the function my... Okay, I want to protect Paula, so I'm going to exercise authority over. But Jesus said there, he says, it's not so among you. It's not so among you. In fact, the same Greek words that used in Matthew 20... 25 is the same Greek word back there in elders in 1 Peter chapter 5 where it says, talking about elders, it's talking about shepherding the flock among you, not as lording over. I can't protect you by, like Clark, I cannot protect him by exercising my authority over him. If I exercise my authority over him, you know what I do? I violate him. I have tried to do that to you in this body. Wrongly. I have done that to her. I did that to Mitch one time. One time. One time. <laughs> Can somebody sign Mitch up for Freedom Teams? <laughs> one time when I'll share this story. When Brandon died, when Brandon died, we remember we were all going down to Georgia for the funeral. I mean, we had a funeral here, service here, and we're going down there for the final service. We're all getting all ready to go, and and all of a sudden, we about a day, two days before of it, we get word that Chad Wallace's dad is in the hospital in Roanoke. I was praying, and as I was seeking the face of the Lord, the Lord told me that Chad's dad would die, and said to me, "Mitch needs to stay and be there for Chad." So I go to Mitch, and I go, Mitch, um, you're going to stay here for Chad and take care. And I just said it real, I probably was probably, that's nice compared to how I really said it. I said, you're going to stay. Well, in that, I, I hurt Mitch's heart. I exercise authority over. Instead of building him up, I tore him down, and I just lorded over him. And it hurt his heart. To talk with him and say, hey, this is what I feel like the Lord was saying to me, Mitch, Chad's dad. And Mitch catch vision that, oh, man, yeah, I need to be here for Chad to help Chad. And, and I know Chad's, I mean, Mitch's heart for Chad Wallace. And, uh, but I lorded over him. I violated him by exercising authority over. And then I'll repeat what the Lord said to me. The power of protection is in the submission. That's where it's at. That's why it says in Ephesians 5.21, for every one of us, submit one to another as unto the Lord. I'm apostolic authority in this church. I have authority. But you know what my number one thing is to do is to what? Exercise it over you? No, but what? To submit to you. The degree that I operate in power among you is the degree that I submit under you. 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 And so that's when the Lord said to me, Rick, the power 
I mean, the protection comes not within the one exercising authority over, but the one submitting under. And I want to say this, y'all. What about a, I'm picking on Jen. How, what about a Jen Cesario who doesn't have a husband to quote, list off all those things in authority? You know what? She can have all of that without the mess by just submitting to the Lord <laughs> and to the church. It's taken you all time a while to figure that one out, huh? Just with a heart of submission. With a heart of submission. Hey, I just got a question. What, what does that mean, you being the authority to submit under us? What does that even mean? Um, to listen to you? Listen to you. Yeah. Listen to what? To serve you? But to listen to you, how many times have you come to me? How about the day, night, sitting right over there? And you spoke something to me that led to a deliverance in my life. That's submitting to you. I could have said, BJ, I'm the authority in this place. I, I'm sorry, bro, I can't, I can't receive from you. I could have said that. I could have said that. But no, you know, I heard your heart. So... You know, it, it goes back, Robbie. So are you, are you saying in that, in that verse? Which verse? So are you saying in that verse in 1 Corinthians 14 that that was more of a question from Paul to them and that he was, the law that they were operating under was more the traditions of men? Yeah. It was the traditions of men during that time. The Roman law, Hebrew, uh, Greek law, and rabbinic law like, was, had pretty hardcore statements about women. Shut up. But Jesus was going, I pour out my spirit on all flesh. And they'll prophesy. And so, so I, notice the last line on, this, on the, state, the thing there, proper ordering. And this is why I'm making this statement. In all submission... I want to say this, y'all. I don't want to be in ministry to any person that cannot submit. Male or female. I don't. Because you know what? They're going to kill somebody. They're going to kill somebody. And so, because uh, I know. I've been there, done that. So, I've been there and done that. I've killed people, you know. Prophetically. But let me go on. In all submission, being released in gifts. In 1 Corinthians 11.10, it declares that women can pray and prophesy. In, in ministries, in, Proverbs, in Acts 21.9, you see that there were three prophets. Agabus, prophetesses. Now four. Was it four that Philip had? Was it four daughters? Four or three? Four. Four. Daughters that were prophetesses, gifted prophetesses. So we're seeing, seeing women released in gifts, seeing women released in ministries in Romans 16, 7. You see the statement, y'all, that women, Janias, this man mentions this man and this woman, Janias, were apostles. That is a five-fold ministry. That which I walk in, a woman walks in. You hang around Heidi Baker, I guarantee you this, you'll find out she's an apostle. 
She'll operate there. It's in the Word of God. So women can function in ministries. I heard, I heard a minister recently say women can't operate in fivefold ministry. That's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Well, Janias was. I, I checked it out in the Greek, y'all. That is a word that's never used in relationship to a man. In other words, a boy named Sue, you know, type of thing. There's never used in Greek antiquity in relationship to a man. It is a feminine name. In other words, a woman can function in that sense. The other thing is, is in women being deaconesses, are, and here I'm going to say something about eldership. Phoebe was a deacon. You look in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. She was a, the Greek word that uses servant, but the Greek word is deaconess. Y'all, deaconess, and a deacon or a deaconess is not a little position, y'all. In the Word of God, it's a position, a power that's been entrusted to ministry. Like B.J. and Tara, when, before they bolted the... To, <laughs> Praise God. Before they left, but they, were, they were deacons and a deaconess in relationship to the ministry. They were assigned the task from the elders in relationship to the worship team. Brandon Simonis, we had him pray about doing a, a, a healing ministry. Brandon says, no, I'm not supposed to. No, I'm sorry. We didn't pray about being an elder. And Brandon said, no, no. I'm not to be responsible for the church as a whole. I feel an assignment for the Lord to be assigned in relationship to healing ministry. Praise God that he held clarity. Greg and Sandy did the same thing. We had put them apart in relationship to the elders of dwelling place. It was a misplace. Greg's going, I've got an assignment from the Lord toward the uh, region program. To take on the weight of the whole church, it would dilute him. So that's why you get to a deacon. An elder has a function over all, but deacons, praise God, deacons can focus and be like razor blades to get the task done. Elders, can y'all turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Now y'all, we have a tendency to read the Word of God in light of our culture today. But let me just tell you this, y'all. It was family. The Word of God was family. I mean, the church was family. It was, it was not these formal thing where people, we make it into it. Y'all, the older who were in the church, the older were elders. And I want y'all to notice this passage in, in, in Titus 2. 2, 3. In, in the first part of the 2, 1, 5, Setting point, elders in every city. That's a, that's the masculine tense. But uh, two, three, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, if that they may encourage the young women to, to love their husbands and, to, and their children, be sensible, pure workers at home. Notice that, verse 3. Listen to all those qualifications, y'all. And I don't have time to go into details. If you would, take the notes in the back. But... The reality is, y'all, the Greek word there is the feminine form of the word for elder. And I don't have time to go into all the other, other places. But the reality is, y'all, in the early church, there was a body of women elders ministering to the women. And that, and that was there. You know what? This existed in the early church until 344 A.D., 
in one of the councils that rose up is where they disbanded women elder boards. You know, it happened to also be the same council where they cut off laity. In other words, laity could not, quote, people who were not clergy could not handle the word of God or deal with uh, spiritual things. It was just, uh, in other words, the establishment of the clergy-laity divide. And so it was established. Well, we the elders in dwelling place, the men, believe that what we're supposed to do in the future is to establish a women's elder board with the assignment of shepherding the women in the church. And it's supposed to work as a relationship. Let me, I want to close with this passage of scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. And I don't have 17, let elders who rule well be considered worthy of honor. Um, don't receive an accusation against an elder in verse 19, but slip back to verse 1. It says, do not rebuke an Literally, elder sharply, but, but appeal to him as a what? Father. What's the purpose of eldering? According to this verse, what? The father. Notice verse 2. The older women as, el, literally the elder women as what? Mothers. You know what we've done to the church of Jesus Christ? We've taken the mothers out of the church. I remember many times in ministries that were conducted in the church that were, who were like the dance ministry functioning in, in, the, in the ministry and, and the, men, the women who were over that would come to Tulio and I to deal with the issues. Can we say screwed up? It wasn't until we caught a revelation in this ago, wait a minute, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if anybody's going to say anything about this, Paul is going to take care of it. Us men, we're going to submit to what Paula thinks about this. You know what happened? All the smoke cleared. Because why? There's an assignment for the Lord to be a mother in the church in relationship to women. Paula can sense and see things clearer than what? I can. But there's things in relationship. And Jim Ebel came up with an illustration. I wish I'd put it on a PowerPoint. Because what we saw was two, two, the church divided up in two Two sides, men, eldering men, women, eldering women. But there was a part that where the men's part came over and covered the women to exercise authority, not to lord over, but to empower, to build up, to protect over. And Jim, I had, when I drew it, I drew it a straight line, you know, men, women. And Jim goes, it's not that way. It's jagged. Because the reality, there's a time that were Jean mothers in her house. You know what? She mothers Andrew. I'd say she can mother him really well. And there's a time in the church. I remember ministering to Anthony Howard one time. And I was talking to Anthony. I said, Anthony, I, you know what I think would be good for you right now? I think you need to talk to Paula. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to Paula. That's what he said. That's exactly close to what he said. Because he knew he was going to get mothered. Because why? That's, that is, the church is a what? Family. 
God forbid we would take the mother heart of God out of the church. And so we'll let, there's a lot of details about what I just said in the application of it. But we think, and we, I believe this with all my heart, the effect will be is a healthy church. Young women will be able to know how to be who God created them to be. I do not want Kaylee dealing with the things that Leah dealt with in relationship to me. Passion, and we're like people like Leah came up with a heart for ministry. She loved, she has a passion to minister the gospel of Jesus and minister healing into people. But when she came up in East Stone Gap Baptist Church with me as her pastor, guess what? Where's this gift? How can this gift flow? How can it be developed? Who is there to mother? We didn't do it. So, anybody want to add something? Anybody want to add anything? I do encourage you to get the, you know, especially the teachings that we did on, on Wednesday. It's definitely a lot more thorough because we didn't have to, he didn't have time to do all that today. But I just encourage you. Um, one of the words that came out, you know, those in Berea were more mobile, noble-minded than those in, right? Did, am I getting that right? Thessalonica. Because they what? Search the scriptures out to see if these things were so. You know what we what we have declared, what we have spoken forth as as elders is from what we can see in the Word, and and I just encourage you go find that word for you for yourself as well. Make sure that these things are so, you know, because we believe if we live by them that this body is going to be released and, and encouraged and built up. And as these, you know, the Pauls and Leahs and the other elder women are eldering women, we believe that that properly aligns the body of Christ, you know, and where men are eldering men, and then as men are, are, are uh, eldering over the whole, we just really believe that God's going to bring freedom. So I just encourage you, grab some of those notes. Um, before, I don't know if we have them out there. I don't see two of them. Do we have any more notes? Okay, they're out there. So, Well, I just want to say, like, thank you to, from myself and I just know as a as a woman and that if you could have seen the the backside of the process sometimes it wasn't very pretty we were really you know myself struggled a lot and um but the men and the men elders in this body were just fabulous like in their procedure in their love for us and just fighting the good fight. And so I just want to share my appreciation just for fighting the fight and taking stands where, you know, other people aren't. So. Thank you, Tim. Now clap for her, see. <laughs> uh, I want to, Lee, Lee. In the in the chart that Rick and Jim came up with, it's really, um, I mean, it's a great chart or diagram or however you want to put it. Um, but on there, it, it lists women elders being over women and children. And when I saw that, I just thought, you know, it's really children need to be written across the entire um, diagram because really the children need both men and women sewing it 
into them and ministering into them and, and all of us have a responsibility to to do that, I felt like, and that they benefit from being mothered and fathered in that way. I, I spoke Wednesday night about that, that the uh, interesting thing is nowhere in the New Testament is there are admonitions toward, toward women ministering to children. Only admonitions in relationship to men ministering to the children. Creative purpose, I think. Anyway, it's late, and I'm sorry it's gone long, but I'm not sorry. Because this is vision that we had to deal with. Tamara? Yeah. This is family, sis. I just, I do want to say thank you. This has been a, an area of frustration for me. We were one of the first people to come to Dwelling Place, and it, I have felt shackled in this area. And there was, at one point when you spoke, I just felt it break. And, um, I just thank Jesus because it's been a long time where I've wrestled with this personally and you try to do gymnastics and how do I be who I think God's called me to be but still line up. And I'll repent for the laziness, for, for waiting for you guys to search it out yourself instead of us searching it out. There was some complacency on our part, or my part, I can't speak for everyone, complacency and some maybe fear that if I had searched it out, I would find the exact opposite, and then I'd still be more confused. So I appreciate you guys being willing to go there. Thank you. Can I finish out with this? This is how the Lord told me to do. I shared Leah's testimony earlier, and I really feel like that we need to respond to that. I shared her testimony. Is there anything you want to add to that? Well, I think a part of that is a lot of this we've walked through. I mean, the elders, I mean, I can't remember, I guess a year ago, kind of the first process was a place of repenting um, just to the women. And, and so there was a place that we all prayed through that and forgiveness and just really releasing those things. So a lot of what Rick has shared, I mean, we processed through that and and really allow the Lord to even heal my heart and really give me his, you know, his perspective and the word in that. So I think that's a big part of it is really being able to forgive um, in these areas and really process through just the past. Um, but So I, I just want to, as I shared Leah's testimony earlier, as I said that, if you ladies, if you felt the same way at some point in time in your life, I want you to stand, please. Be bold. Stay standing, please. Ever. Ever. Or you hadn't dealt with it. So I want to pray a prayer in relationship to it. Come here, babe. So I'm going to pray a prayer on one side in relationship to as a leader and as in a man because the lack of understanding has wounded your hearts and ways. The thing I found out about men, about women, one thing I found out, <laughs> Paula feels valued by what she, that she's heard. And, uh, and, and there's a time that I know that God would put words in some of your hearts and you couldn't share it. You couldn't minister it. And it would cause the gift to be shut off. And so I just want to pray healing into that.
So, Heavenly Father, I just ask y'all to receive this. So, Heavenly Father. Hey, Mark, Margie, come up here, please. Come up here with me. So, Lord, we just, with the elders and this Mark and I just representing the whole, Lord, just want to, just listen to the Lord. We just want, I just want to repent, Lord, and for the years of ministry that I've done, Lord, to these wounded ladies in this body, and Lord, like I wounded Leah in the past with my actions more than my words, but then also words, Lord. So I just ask you to forgive us, and I ask these ladies to forgive us. And so, Lord, I just speak, Lord, that you give us clarity, clarity, how to order and protect the women in this, in this family, how to allow the mothering effect of this body to come forth, the sister effect, Lord, that we may be a healthy family. Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord, forgive us, especially as men. Times we've had pride, thinking we could understand women. <laughs> and that's the truth. Think we know better. And Lord, we didn't listen when we when we should have listened and we couldn't hear the, the, the things that you had placed in our sisters. Again, Lord, we we ask your forgiveness for that. But Lord, we pray release. Oh yes, Lord, pray release that our sisters can come in the fullness of their of their what God has called them to. The fullness that you have placed in them. Oh boy, he goes. Father, we just, um, I just ask that you just show strongholds that we have in our heart uh, that hold us back from operating in the power that uh, we could be operating in. Give us wisdom in how to submit and receive the, the power that comes from that. Uh, I just pray for the male elders that you give them wisdom in how to cover, uh, how to speak life into this body. And, uh, Father, I just pray uh, for unity uh, in this body uh, beyond anything that we've ever had before. And, uh, Father, we just pray that, um, that um, life would come uh, to the members of this church, but also to this community. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be healed, ladies. Be healed. We love you.